Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is the Slow Poisoner. I come to you from the future with these words of warning. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 102. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Hi, I'm George Takei. You know me as Helmsman Sulu on Star Trek. When I'm not busy going Warp Factor 8, I like to beam down to Lee's Comics and spend a lazy afternoon reading comics classics from Marvel to DC, from Dark Horse to Fantagraphics, and everything in between. So please, spend some time here at Lee's Comics and spend your hard-earned cash. <laughs> Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale. For half off, choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics Inc. Period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C. Period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Long title. Looking for the good times. Examining the monkey song one by one by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song, and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkey's Solo Years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You've sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover. 
and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <clears throat> get Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey solo years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today. Cool. I'm going to get one today. Welcome to 2021. My Warren Kramer book is finally being laid out and it is looking really good. I'm still working on my Madden Disney books and my Popeye article. We'll be discussing these and other new projects throughout the year. Today's guest has written books about Red Skelton, Bob Hope, Carol Burnett, and he's also a regular TV critic on Stu's show. He's now written a new book about the incomparable Betty White, who will be celebrating her 99th birthday on January 17th. Here he is, Wesley Hyatt. And on the phone, or on Zoom video, for the first time, we have Wesley Hyatt. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. And um, I just re-listened to the original episode because I'm doing, uh, by the time this one airs, a 100th anniversary episode. This is actually episode 102. Um, And I'm doing like the best of, and so I'm listening to all the old episodes and go, oh, I forgot I said that. Oh, I forgot that person said that. So I know the feeling. (laughs) I feel the same way when I read my book sometime. Oh, I forgot. (laughs) Did I write that? I guess I did. So, yeah. The interesting thing is when we talked last time, um, we were discussing after your uh, Bob Hope book, you were were saying, I don't know what project I'm working on, and I suggested Sonny and Cher, and you're like, "Mm," you know, and then Betty White didn't come up in the conversation, so uh, anyway, so uh, I guess before we get underway, you know, the first thing I usually ask, and since not everybody watches Stu's show, is tell us a little bit about yourself, and how you got into TV history and writing. Okay, great. Um, I uh, basically have been a writer most of my life. I uh, was an English and communications graduate at the uh, University of North Carolina at Greensboro, which is about an hour from where I grew up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I'm now living in Durham, North Carolina, which is about 15 to 20 minutes from Chapel Hill. So you can tell I really get around that way. Uh, But um, I I, I was after college, I was a uh, writer uh, and then eventually editor of uh, two weekly newspapers. And that taught me to write a lot fast, uh, very quickly. And but it also burned me out after seven years. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And after I got finished with it, this was around 1994. And I'd always enjoyed uh, uh, reading books about TV history and so on there. And a big one uh, that made an impression on me was uh, Tim Brooks and Earl Marsh's uh, complete directory to primetime TV uh, programs, (laughs) 1946 to present. And I always thought, okay, they're going to do a daytime version, something like that. And I kept waiting years and years, and they never did. (laughs) And I said, well, if they're not going to do it, maybe I should do it. Maybe I should try and write a book. So I, uh, with my limited knowledge, I put together a proposal and uh, I got things secured with Billboard Books. And uh, after two years of researching, and this was in the mid-90s, right when the internet was coming in, so there wasn't too much. I basically had to do it all uh, by microfilm and uh, dusty old um, 
indexes that are bound in, in library volumes and uh, Stu's uh, video collection that he had as well. He had several uh, rare daytime shows uh, to click on. Uh, I did the uh, Encyclopedia of Daytime Television that came out in 1998 and uh, it was very well received. And then uh, my publisher liked it so much. He's like, uh, great, what's your next book? And then I was like, oh, I, I didn't tell him I wasn't thinking. I didn't know of a next book idea. Uh, but it being billboard at the time, then I did a, I proposed a book on number one adult contemporary hits based on billboards chart. And uh, that was pretty fun to do it. And then from there, it kind of uh, snowballed from there. When I started, uh, I realized it was not as fun as I had writing the music. I liked writing about TV more. Mm -hmm. And I wrote uh, several books for McFarland in the, first decade of the 2000s and then uh the last three have been with bear manor media and uh they've uh all been like just subjects that i thought needed to be written and could handle and uh some have been ones that i've thought like well i can't do it no one could do it so i'm gonna try it anyway and uh <laughs> this was the thing like when i announced that i was doing a book about betty white's tv career Stu showstack and some others were saying well you're gonna make that into an encyclopedia aren't you and i said <laughs> well no i told my publisher i'd have it at 150,000 words so i uh i somehow did that but i i had to it was a tough job it really was to get a lot of the it down to that and keep the essence of, of what made Betty special. I had to leave out some plans for uh, like commercials. Uh, she mm. did a whole, a whole slew of commercials from the fifties through the, the recently. Um, you know, I've only talked about her most recent one that she did for NFL promotions and for Smokey the bear. Uh, but she was doing stuff all the way back to the fifties, um, you know, for various products, uh, including Buick. Uh, she did spray and wash several years with spray and wash back in the 1970s uh, and a couple of others that I can't recall offhand. But I, I, I was like, if I've got to cut something, this is the stuff that's going to have to cut because I've got details about, I'm just focusing on regular TV shows that she did. And she did you know, it was like thousands, if not tens of thousands. Yes. Yeah. So. You gave me an advanced copy of it digitally, which I thank you yeah. because I got to go through it. And, <laughs> you know, as I was going through it, because I already had some questions lined up because obviously I know major things she's done in her career. And then I'm going, oh yeah, she did that. And she did that. And <laughs> yeah. she did that. And, yeah. um, my main question from going through it all is, Besides her incredible longevity, because what's she, 98, 99 now, something like that? She, she will be uh, 99 come uh, January 21st, 22nd or so, yeah. yeah. Of 2021, okay. Yeah, yep. um, Yeah, and she said, you know, in some interview I saw, you know, we live a long time in our families, so, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but apart from that, why... What is the appeal of Betty White, I guess? Because, I mean, I like her, but that doesn't mean everybody likes her. And, you know, generations seem to like her. And it can't just be one thing because she's done multiple things. So what's your opinion about that? Well, she is a hard worker. Uh, she knows her lines very well for everything. She uh, gives uh, a full reading to her character. Uh, I was surprised when I researched it that the uh, writers of uh, Mary Tyler Moore show said that 
uh, she gave them more than they expected for the character of Sue Ann, and that gave them some ideas of where to take that character uh, from what they initially envisioned. Um, she's also got a great deprecating sense of humor. You know, she can laugh at herself like nobody else, and she's very witty, um, fast talker. That's why she's loved to be on game shows and talk shows so often, because mm-hmm. she's always got something great to, to say anytime there. And uh, when it comes to game shows, she knows the, the rules of the game shows and enjoys playing them and, and is just a really uh, great participant in that regard. And everybody likes working with her because she's very happy to be there at work. She enjoys working on TV. She really does. And she enjoys the people that she's working with and they respond in kind. So it's always a, an easy time. And she's been very much in demand for that now for decades. You know. Yeah. It's just kind of strange because I was trying to think who else has had her longevity that doesn't really get typecast because some people, they only have like one thing like Star Trek or Gilligan's Island or something and that's it. And they can't catch a break on another show or they'll get another show to last like two weeks or 13 mm-hmm. weeks or whatever. Yeah. Um, the closest one I could think of is maybe Bob Newhart. And even he has had some flops. I mean, his, Betty ever really had a flop? I think she did a Betty White show in the 70s that might have not lasted very long. That's the only one I could think of. She had a couple of flops. In the in the 50s, she had Date with the Angels, which they thought was going to be the next I Love Lucy, and it lasted less than a year. And then they replaced it with a variety show in, in her name, which only lasted a couple of months. And after that, right. she didn't have a series until Mary Tyler Moore 15 years later, a nighttime well, when, series. When was Life with Elizabeth? Is that before those then? Or? Life with Elizabeth was before that. That was oh, okay. uh, three. Okay. Yeah, that ran three years in syndication of original production. So <clears throat> that one was pretty much a success. Okay. Because I don't know the chronology because <clears throat> my introduction to Betty was Mary Tyler Moore's show and uh, my dad who's like me and probably like <laughs> loves to love spout <laughs> off little trivial tidbits when we're watching something so I'm watching Mary Tyler Moore did you know Betty White had a sitcom in the 50s and I go no you know it's like <laughs> where can you see that you know and I, I didn't see it for years but you know he said yeah it was uh, um, the <laughs> It wasn't Date with the Angels, it was the other one, you know. It was, it was like, Life yeah, with Elizabeth, yeah. yeah, with and, for, Elizabeth. yeah. and for a long time, you couldn't see it because it was tied up in legal rights. She actually uh, oh, sued okay. the production company that did it. The uh, the okay. um, the uh, people that did it were the same ones who syndicated the Liberace show back in the 1950s. <laughs> but they also did a lot of other, they did a lot of other production. And in fact, Life with Elizabeth was going strong, but they they ended production because they needed to make money on the reruns to cover for the other production costs. They were something like $12 million in production costs in 1954, which is, I don't know, over a hundred million or so equivalent today on what they were spending. So they had to make it back some way. And that was the way that uh, unfortunately um, had to be done for Betty at the time. Hmm. Yeah. Now what, what kind of freed it up? Do you talk about that in the book? What kind of freed up the, the, uh, repeat rights for those. Uh, um, I think I think it fell into the public domain. If I'm not oh, mistaken, okay. <laughs> I think you know by the time yeah by the time in the 90s, I think no one had any much claim to it there. Oh, okay. Um, Betty did repeat the character when they did the um, 
50th anniversary of KCOP, I think, uh, <laughs> because that was where it was done originally. And she reprised the character. And she she still said, she said a couple years ago, Larry King, it was one of her favorite characters there mm -hmm. um, was doing that show. So she obviously had a fond time doing it. Yeah, I think that's about the time I first saw it. it was in the 90s. And then I've seen various video collections. I've probably have seen, I don't know, every episode's not available, right? Don't there are a few that are missing, I think? That that's a case with um, date with the angels. I okay, think date with the angels one. missed something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I think life with Elizabeth. There's only 65 episodes, so I think they're probably out there some way. Uh, they're just not well organized. I haven't seen yeah. like a life with Elizabeth collection available. Like uh, <laughs> Benny's popularity, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen all 65. I just know. What, yeah. And usually <laughs> nowadays, when they do a compilation, they'll put like. Betty White compilation, they'll put stuff from all those early shows yep, together. Yep. And, and exactly. that's why I get the titles mixed up because, <laughs> you know, it's not like chronological or formatted or with commentary by yourself or yeah. something like that. <laughs> and, and plus that show she did, it was uh, basically three playlets for show. You know, they do about um, seven or eight minutes sketch for each one. And then it would end that way and they do another one, you know, so that way it's very easy to mix and match them if you're a sleazy little you know video dealer and just go hey look i've got a movie of betty white here yeah, you exactly know, so. exactly or the yeah. best of betty yes white, yes know. exactly yeah. how come it's all this old black and white yeah. stuff yeah <laughs> where's my golden girls where's mary <laughs> yeah um now did she have another series between those and mary tyler moore or was it just game shows and password and stuff like that it was mainly game shows, but she did do frequently. She did the uh, the Tonight Show with Jack Parr. Okay. She did that about seventy five times. So she, most people consider her like a regular to semi regular on the show. Okay. Um, and I was able to hear an audio of her first appearance on it, which I think may be the only thing that's left of of what she did on that show because they apparently all, all the tapes apparently are been destroyed or, or missing and. Um, you could tell she had a real rapport with Jack Parr because Jack Parr was the type of person he, you, you didn't have any um, questions that you knew in advance. He would ask and he'd go off on any tangent he wanted to and expected you to be on the ride with him or else, you know, you're just, you're boring and I don't want to have you there. Right. And so uh, it was really a, a stroke to her uh, um, talent that she was able to keep on that way. And, and, and a couple of other, she, she, did all of the, um, when they did the first version of the Liars Club in 69 with uh, Rod Serling, she did all of those shows. So she was basically a regular on that, whether people, it didn't get much circulation, but uh, it does count. I've counted in the book as being a regular that way. So, yeah. yeah. Um, going back to Jack Parr. So that audio clip is the only thing that exists now? Like, I don't remember on any of the Jack Carr DVDs that I have, so. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that's all I could find of, yeah. of anything of hers. And I've looked at UCLA and Paley Center's catalogs. Okay. There may be some somewhere that they've got it there, but that was the only one I could find from my uh, audio connection there of rare mm -hmm. TV audio. But I mean, at least it was her first appearance, so it was really good. Right. And uh, you know, she was fresh and funny, and they had a bit with her um, 
uh, doing a sketch with Jonathan Winters, so she had to sh be on her toes that way too. So <laughs> it was it was good. And, yeah, it's kind of interesting because yeah, I, I've seen you know like Jonathan Winters was kind of a regular, and so it was like Cliff Arquette as Charlie Weaver, and I think was it Oscar Homolka or something like that, the piano player. Wasn't he on quite a bit in that show? In yeah, they days? probably yeah. did. Oscar Levant did a couple Oscar times. Oscar Levant, sorry. Oops. Yeah, yeah. Oscar Amoka. <laughs> maybe play the piano. The I don't know. <laughs> Some Oscar, you know. But yeah, I, I find it very hard uh, to, to find any, any clips of with just her there, even though she did it fairly frequently. It's just uh, okay. how yeah, they I did that. Done. And I, yeah, and I don't think she did his primetime show that I know of from 62 okay. to 65. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And was that because uh, I, I saw this long list of game show appearances? Uh, was Password primarily the show she was on, or is she like on everything, like Hollywood Squares and everything? She, she really did everything. Okay. I was, I was astonished <laughs> when I when I compiled this. I was astonished about how much she did because my I, I have an appendix list in the back with just her guest shots, and the guest shots alone on game shows. I number about 350 of those. And that doesn't include like her being a semi-regular or regular on the Liars Club or mm -hmm. match game. Um, that that was, it, it was really incredible how much uh, time she was able to get. You look and she'd be, she'd do password in between other game shows that she had at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But she was definitely uh, associated with Password. Whenever they'd have their winner's tournaments, she'd be one of the players they'd have. She'd be the main female player they had. So, mm -hmm. Didn't she uh, even host, host it a few times, too, like when Alan was out or something? Yeah, like she that? did. She did once or twice, at least. Okay. At least uh, on, uh, on ABC, they had her do that uh, one time. And uh, I couldn't find that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'd love to see it. A lot of the... The CBS run is in uh, in nighttime, and some of the daytime are available pretty yeah. well. The uh, ABC run, they were still uh, getting rid of or wiping over videotapes at the time. There's very few uh, of <laughs> the ABC ones. There is one at UCLA with her uh, playing against uh, James Shigeta. I think he was, uh, if that's name's pronounced properly, who was... Um, in uh, the movie version of Lost Horizon and promoting oh, okay. it at the time in 1973, which I wanted to see, but I wasn't able to, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, apart from maybe a couple episodes of Password, did she ever host a game show? I don't even remember her ever hosting one. She did. It was one called Just Men in 1983. Okay. okay. And she had actually, she had tried, she wanted to be, she originally was considered for the host of her first game show, Make the Connection, in 1955, but they said no, they, they wanted to have a man, so okay. Then there was um, Get the Message in 1963 on ABC, where she was told she had a good shot, but then they said no, we want to go with a man. Uh, and then in 1973 on CBS, there was a show called Hollywood's Talking, where she did an audition opposite um, Al Lohman of the Lohman and Barkley uh, radio comedy uh, duo that was big in Los Angeles but never really broke through nationally for whatever reasons. Uh, and she clearly surpassed him, but still CBS decided, uh, we want someone else, and they got Jeff Edwards. So when she was told they wanted to make a show around her, she's like, yeah, whatever, but they got <laughs> it on there. And it basically, it was um, supposed to be the, the, 
Rick Rosner, who was the guy uh, who created chips, go figure. I don't know why he would think be considered for a game show, but he thought of the idea, hey, let's have Betty White do a, do a version of Hollywood Squares, but all men, and we'll call it studs, uh, which would be, uh, which stood for stars upside down sideways. And NBC says, said, we're not going to name a show called studs, not in 83. Uh, yeah. I mean, and so they, they fiddled around the format some, and then it became her um, dealing with seven uh, men and asking them yes or no questions. And two uh, players, usually women, would try and determine if the guys were, you know, like if they, do you like finger painting? You know, and they'd have them there finger painting while they were talking. And she, she would walk, she was very much in motion. It was like a tiered set. So she'd walk with her mic and bring it to them and then go and just constantly on the move. And uh, she was great. She, she, it ran 13 weeks, but she was nominated twice for Emmy for Best uh, Daytime Host because of the eligibility period it ran over on, on both of them at the same time. And, and she won the first time. And, uh, you know, the, she still holds the record as the uh, Emmy winner for Daytime Host for a show that lasted only 13 weeks. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. I saw the list of uh, the Emmy winners, and then she's nominated like 17 times for other things. Yeah. And I didn't memorize all the ones that were in the list. But I couldn't you know, either. If you ask me, I'd like, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, but it's like, wow, you know, that's quite a bit. But it's like, yeah, it's kind of funny that one is for such a short-lived show. But Stranger Things have happened on Emmys. It seems like oh, Emmy yeah. was one well, Emmy. well, speaking of Stranger <laughs> Things, you know, her first Emmy nomination was in 1950 for um, – they called it in the best actress category. She was up against Helen Hayes and some other, because uh, they just loved her as a personality there in, in Los Angeles. She lost to um, Gertrude Berg of the Goldbergs oh, okay. there, uh, you know, who, be who beat Helen Hayes too, which I find incredible to imagine. But um, she, she, she did, she had a long history with the Emmy. She, her, her daytime show in 1954, that also didn't last but a year, but that mm -hmm. got nominated for uh, Best Daytime Show. It's still the uh, shortest-lived show to be nominated for Best Daytime Show. <laughs> she just had that magic touch, you know? People oh. loved her. Yeah. Now, when we get into the 70s and Mary Tyler Moore's show, obviously she wasn't one of the original cast members. Was she brought in uh, to replace, like, Rhoda or anybody or was it just they needed an additional character and the Rhoda spinoff was a later afterthought? From what I understand, the idea came from um, Ed Weinberger. They were pitching around the office one time, you know, like uh, Phyllis needs someone to really shake her up, you know, type of, <laughs> I need a woman that could, you know, have an uh, affair with her husband, Lars. And they thought, what kind? Hey, maybe someone like a Maribel Morgan, you know, a woman who lives to please her man and everything like that, you know, and maybe we could have it, uh, you know, like one of those daytime home economists, you know, the, the, like, like Betty White, something like that. Well, we can do it and have it there. So they ran the uh, auditions for it. And they had apparently 10 actresses audition. To this day, I still don't know which who they are i'm sure there had to have been some names that we know but i'm amazed they've been able to keep it under wraps uh, yeah. who they are but but none of them got the right emphasis they wanted about you know being sticky sweet but at the same time a seductress um so then uh, the casting director renee valenti said um, 
why don't you just give it to Betty? Betty had been going, had been a big booster of the show. She and Alan Ludden had watched um, the uh, tapings of it ever since it started in 1970. Mm-hmm. And they said, look, it's just a guest part. Let her do it and we'll, we'll be fine and everything. She's been around long enough. She can handle it. Well, <laughs> it was a hit from the start. She delivered her first line so well, the audience applauded her after she left from her little scene. And, uh, you know, there was just an energy there that was going on. Mm-hmm. And then the writers realized as things went back, okay, we, we can bring her back and get together. And then at the same time, there was pressure building from CBS to have a spinoff from the show because mm-hmm. it was following uh, All in the Family and All in the Family already had Maude and they would soon have uh, Good Time spun off from Maude and they were going to have the Jeffersons and they're like, you know, we can, right. we ought to do this. And so <laughs> they, they felt fairly secure. All right, we can, we can let Broda go and, uh, and we can still have someone there. And then after Rhoda went and that was thriving, then they're like, okay, well we can let Phyllis go too. And we can have, uh, you know, Mary just fine with, with uh, Betty's character there. Yeah. And of course so they brought in Georgette of, too. So, yes. You know, Georgette. Yeah. People. Not specifically saying we are replacing yes, yes. this, but you know, but they were good, but they were good additions to the show. Not all right. of them had that. If you look back at all in the family, they had some, come on there that didn't last a season or two because yeah, they just yeah. didn't connect with people. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore show, pretty much when they added someone, they did a great job of adding them there and they were they were solid, distinctive characters. As this was the case with with Betty's character there, you know, which won her uh, an Emmy and probably a couple of other nominations and uh, you know, it just really brought her to the forefront of everything. Mm-hmm. And um like you said, she was she kind of looking for it or no? She just happened to be in the right place at the right time to end up on Mary Tyler Moore. She happened to be at the right place at the right time, and she was very professional about it as always. In fact, when she was there um, doing the the line readings on Monday, uh, Valley uh, Harper noticed like she knows her lines already. She knows her lines. <laughs> She's not reading the script like the rest of us. She knows you know, <laughs> what is she doing here? Um, but uh, yeah, she, she really did it and endeared herself there uh, to it, the show at the time. And, uh, and as Betty said herself, what, what really helped was that Mary Tyler Moore could tell, you could tell she was like, Oh, you're just, you know, I know your deal. You're full of it, you know, <laughs> so, you know? And, and she treated her like she just laughed at her, you know, but not in a mean spirited way. And, and mm-hmm. that was the way the viewers were supposed to react to her at the same time. There were some criticism by home economists, though, at the time. I read a couple of articles <laughs> where they were really offended by Betty's character being so promiscuous and, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they thought it was demeaning. But mm-hmm. um, they said the. Uh, I think it was James L. Brooks said the most email they ever got protesting her was when um, it was, I think, a second or third show when uh, she was uh, trying to get the cook something in the oven and then the oven wasn't plugged in. And she went, oh, well, the, it, things like this happen, even to a happy homemaker. We'll be right back. And then they cut to a commercial and they said, who the hell screwed this up? And apparently with her saying, Hell, they weren't expecting uh, Betty White to say hell back in 1973, so, you know. But uh, for me, I thought she was a great character. I liked their little sparring with uh, 
Gavin McLeod as Murray. That was yeah. probably the best part for me. You know, I, yeah. I was pretty young, so I don't know about the sexual innuendo. I guess it was there. I wasn't really paying attention to all that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I reprinted several lines because I didn't get them later on. You know, and uh, <laughs> you know, like, oh, what do you get for the girl who's had everyone? You know, talking about a birthday. You know, I mean, yeah, now yeah. I get them, I and mean, I yeah. watched every episode since. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. as a kid, you know, I just you know, anyway. Yeah, it was really, it was really well written, and that that chapter I, I especially made um, attention to quoting a lot of the lines for the simple fact that the character was basically designed to come on and give a lot of snappy lines and leave you know it was not right. uh, meant to be as well-rounded characters she had on the golden girls say for right. example right. So. and before we talk about golden girls i was just yeah. gonna say she was on um i didn't look at the list she was on a lot of sitcoms like in the 60s just as one shot things like wasn't she on a petticoat junction or something like that? Yeah, she did. Like she that? actually didn't do too many sitcoms. That was about her only one she did in the 60s right. was a petticoat okay. junction. Okay. And then and she did Odd Couple, didn't she? Wasn't she on she the Password Odd episode? Yeah. She was yeah. on the Password episode. That was a classic. Yeah. And that was before Mary Tyler Moore show. But, yeah, she had only done, like, about five acting um shots on dramas or comedies bef uh, apart from her own series until Mary Tyler Moore. Hmm. And then after Mary Tyler Moore, she basically had the run of anything that she wanted. And she did just about anything and everything you can name, you know, the next right. couple of decades. Right. Yeah. And then after Mary Tyler Moore, didn't, it was like directly after, shortly after uh, she got her own, or the second Betty White show, right? But it didn't last well, very long. That it, one I remember, and I think it also had uh, Georgia Engel on that show, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't if you know. actually count her um, days in Los Angeles TV, it was like the third or fourth Betty White show, believe it or not, <laughs> okay. uh, titled that way. Um, it was basically like uh, so, sort of a, a spoof of Police Woman with her playing a star of a show called Undercover Woman. Yeah. And, I uh, barely she, remember it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it since. So that's they why. they thought they first thought about spinning off uh, Sue Ann, but then they realized the character was too brittle, and there was also worry. You know, Phyllis had lasted only two years. Yeah, and they thought this could be another case of that where the character would just be too much for people to handle as a starring role every week. Then they thought about her being a wisecracking nun, which she nicks there. Um, there was also room that they were going to think about um, making fun of uh, having the star of a science fiction show, but the writers didn't know enough about science fiction that they thought they could develop decent fake plots about it. So they decided instead, we'll just, we'll just do Policewoman. And uh, John Hillerman played her husband. He would later be on Magnum PI um, opposite... Uh, Tom Selleck. And yes, Georgia Engel joined her as her roommate. Uh, Georgia Engel was a veterinarian because Betty wanted to have something to do with animals there. Uh -huh. and so on okay. that way. Um, and they filmed the pilot. Um, uh, when they filmed the pilot, uh, one of the writers for uh, Liars Club was there and she told me she saw Alan Ludden in the background just watching. It was just, isn't she marvelous? He was just amazed at what she was doing uh during the whole uh taping you know that's how in love he was with with her at the time there they also had people from match game richard dawson and brett summers and charles nelson riley all came in to the taping and cheered her on uh so it, it got um approved by cbs cbs put it in its 
top uh, lineup of uh, Monday night at 930, which is where, you know, they had Lucy had had it for so long and everything. Uh, but the previous year, the ratings had gone down some with Maud being in that section. So they pushed Maud back a half hour and to have that promoted in there. Um, what happened was after the well-received pilot, the show they thought was going to be like kind of parroting TV tropes and everything like that. Uh, it was more dealing with the fact that she and John Hillerman's character had been married one time and now they're divorced, but he's a director. So they had a lot of sparks flying back and forth between them. <laughs> um, a love hate relationship going on. And it was not as uh, successfully done as people had hoped. Uh, part of it was that the original writing crew for the pilot left uh, they went on to do taxi and so on that way. Uh, some of the stuff they were not signed. Yeah, they were not signed for the series. Um, and uh, some of the supporting cast, I didn't think was as strong. Uh, one of the directors of the show, basically, he said flat out, he said, the scripts just weren't funny. You know, they just weren't holding up that way. And um, some, some said CBS canceled it so, too soon. Um, and they, I showed the analysis of the ratings and so on that way. Uh, it did finish higher than some shows that CBS renewed, like Good Times and the Jefferson's and a few others that year. But again, it was in a time slot where it was expected to do better than it did. And um, it was it was tough on Betty to, 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 to lose that thing. She had to announce it was canceled the night she went on The Tonight Show to promote the show. You know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Karen Kay, Karen Kay, who was a supporting uh, actress on the show, told me she was out doing press for the show when she got news. Um, <laughs> come back. You, you've been canceled, you know. Uh, so and ironically, the last show dealt with the plot of their show uh, being threatened with cancellation until um, some kind of freak accident uh, allowed it to stay on the air. You know, it was, it was like. <laughs> So how many episodes were there, like 13 or less? 13 or 14, oh, yeah. It okay. went off by January of 1978. And the, it was expected to be such a hit that they actually roasted her on the Dean Martin specials. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it got canceled quicker than they thought. So they delayed it from airing in, in the fall. It actually showed up in, I think, May 1978, where they're talking about her show and all how it's doing well. And... They also had uh, Lawanda Page on there, and they're congratulating her about the Sanford Arms, another disaster that happened that way. I think that lasted like four yeah. episodes or something. Yeah, and it, w it, was, it was so um, badly received and everything that Dean Martin didn't, hit, didn't do a uh, roast special for uh, six years after that. Oh, wow, I yeah. didn't know that either. Yeah, that was like, we've really, you know, this is a disaster. We, should, we need to rethink this, and uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, it had, it had it had an impact in its own way. I guess you could say the Betty White show did. Right now, what was that? Her last sitcom until I think Mama's Family is probably her next one, right? There. Yeah, there were a couple of. Um, she made two pilots. One was called Snavely with uh, Harvey Corman, which mm -hmm. was basically an American adaptation of Faulty Towers. And oh, another uh, one. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was one of about three that they tried. They all shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't have messed with that, you know. Right. I think ABC was smart to pass on it. Mm -hmm. uh, but then again, ABC only had, this was in 1978, they only 
added two new sitcoms to their lineup that fall anyway. They were already pretty strong, so it was a tough competition for them going that way. And then in 1981, she did uh, one uh, called Stephanie, which starred uh, Stephanie, oh God, I'm going to blank her name. She was on The Last Resort. It, she was a blonde actress, comic blonde actress that they thought was going to have a lot of potential, but never really uh, caught on with them. Uh, Betty was playing her boss, and Betty was taping that at the same time that uh, Alan Ludden was in the hospital a lot. So mm -hmm. she'd be going there. But but Grant Tinker, whose production company did it, he, he just, he said to the guys, you know, if you could cast Betty in this role, it would get her mind off some things and do that, you know, and it probably did help some way for her to work on that. But yeah, then, then after Alan Ludden died, ironically, her first big acting role was on Eunice, with, mm -hmm. which featured um, the uh, character of Eunice's husband dying, you know, so she had to deal with that. But she played um, Eunice's sister, Ellen, and it was a top 10 smash in the ratings. And NBC was so impressed that they sold them on the idea of doing a sitcom of it, even though, you know, one of the characters had died, but they were like, well, we'll just make it up and we'll just redo it and that sort of thing. So she was, <laughs> she was added to it, but she wisely decided to keep her appearances down to um, semi-regular status. She was there no more yeah. than seven shows a, a season. And that was only on the NBC version, right? She was never in those yeah. later syndicated ones. She, so she was on one of the first or second syndicated Syndic ones, just okay. to give a sign off for her sister, for her character. Her, um, Rue McClanahan's Aunt Fran was written out as having died in the debut. And then I think the second or third show, um, Betty's character showed up to say she was sorry that she missed it, but she couldn't handle it. And then, it was found out she was getting plastic surgery done on her, you know, and that was, and that was <laughs> okay. it for her there. Yeah. It was very, it was very weird how, how her character metamorphosized from being a, you know, a real snotty woman to kind of a simpering cat there and, and focused. It, it didn't really, I, I write about in the book there, but it was, I'm like, right. I'm glad, I'm glad Golden Girls came along to save her from that, to be honest. And is that what happened? I mean, was she, was Golden Girls, like, her ticket out of there, or was she planning to leave anyway? Oh, no, no, no. Well, the show was canceled on NBC in 1985, their okay. um, um, okay. Mama's Family. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she, uh, during that time, she got the script for Golden Girls. Oh, okay. Um, you know, they, they sent it out elaborately, like, we would w be honored for you to, audition for this like wow okay uh she thought she was going to be uh playing blanche the slut again you know like right. she had but jay sandwich who had directed her on the mary tyler moore show and was directing the first episode said i'd want you to read for rose instead i think you could you know you could do blanche no problem but this is a different character and get it together and she had a little bit of time adjusting until he told her, you know, basically Rose takes everything very literally and that's what makes her amusing and, and, and funny and said, ah, and so she got that, a beat on that. And um, the testing for the pilot went through the roof. NBC promoted it like nobody's business in the summer <laughs> of 1985. There, there's probably, there's a couple of commercials I've seen, you know, like the smash new head of the, the, this season, you know. And so Betty was really worried because it was like, oh, it was going to be Betty White show all over again. They're going to promote <laughs> us to death and then people are going to turn out. Mm -hmm. But 
people instead embraced the show wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, and it really, to everyone's surprise, it was a bigger success than I think anyone realized at the time. And they were very grateful for it, obviously. Now, where did you get your information? Now, you're, you're doing research, so you probably have the accurate information. But uh, <laughs> you just said uh, that Jay Sandridge uh, suggested the switch for Betty White and Rue McClanahan. What I've heard is they gave Betty White the sex pot character. They gave Rue McClanahan the stupid character. And both of Betty and Rue looked at each other. We've done this before in our previous shows. Let's switch. So which is correct? I've heard both now. So. This is what I heard from the guy who wrote the book on the Golden Girls and interviewed Betty and Rue okay. about the situation there. So I'm taking that from okay. them. Uh, he also gave the story about how um, B. Arthur initially didn't want to do the the show. And so Elaine Stritch re- read for it. And she and um, the... Uh, writer of it susan witt susan thomas witt, i think i can't remember susan she they they it was loath at first sight they both did not like each other and <laughs> and uh and uh elaine stritch threw in a profanity when auditioning and it just did not go well and uh <laughs> elaine stritch bemoaned it the uh, the oddest thing is that elaine stritch won an emmy for her um one woman show um talk where she talked about the golden girls and one of the people she beat was b arthur for her one woman show as well <laughs> you know i'm like this, this can't be this is ridiculous how how these things turn around here <laughs> um but yeah it was it was um it, the the one person i think they hired the quickest the fastest was estelle getty because she she really lobbied to play that character she got the, herself all made up and everything and she knew this would be a hit if she could do it and, uh, you know, she had them on the floor from the first time she read them. Yeah. And uh, for everything I heard that her re- line readings, even the cameramen, you know, who probably heard the same line several times, were still cracking up a couple times <laughs> than they had during taping. So yeah. That's very impressive. And there wasn't a problem, I guess not, because the show lasted like seven, eight years or whatever, um, <laughs> with Estelle Getty being like only like six years older than B. Arthur or something like that. Something. Yeah, really it was weird. really weird. You know, it's yeah, ironic. Betty it was the oldest performer among the four of them, and she's lived the longest. Uh, you know, it, it was in, incredible. Yeah, in fact, when she was doing the show, one uh, critic was saying, "Well, this is going to be her great uh, farewell to TV. What a great send off for Betty." You know, because they were thinking. <laughs> Because she was in her 60s then, and they right. thought, okay, well, this will be her last thing. And, well, you know, she might not want to do any more acting anyway. Yeah, yeah she, she might retire. <laughs> they, they thought, okay, this is nice. Give Betty that, and she'll retire when it ends, and, and so on there. Little did they know, yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, I know we're not t- supposed to be talking about the other ones, but B. Arthur, so how did they lure her into doing it? It's like, if it sounds like she didn't want to do it, in fact, she eventually left the show and became Golden Palace. So it's yeah. like... Uh, <laughs> Well, it, from what I understand, and, and Rue McClanahan said this uh, in her, uh, she did a show a couple of years ago that I got to see it. She said, she called up B and said, all right, B, why do you not want to be in this show? Why, what is the problem? You know, this is a great role. And B had already had, well, she had been in, as we mentioned before, um, Amanda's, I think was the name of the thing, which was yeah. a Faulty Towers ad- yeah. adaptation again. Yeah. Uh, and she'd also done a pilot uh called pops i think with charles mm-hmm. Durning, which she hated doing um and uh <laughs> she was burned out and didn't want to do it there so so rue said look 
you know, it's a great thing when I, why aren't you doing that? And, and uh, B said, well, look, I, I'm not in the mood for um, our characters from Mod uh, meet Sue Ann Nivens from Mary Tyler Moore show. And she said, well, no, 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 I, I'm playing the slut. Yeah. And Betty's playing the, the dits. And then B heard that and went, you know, now that sounds interesting. <laughs> and that convinced her to get in and, and okay. do it there. You know, the part, the part was written. I mean, Susan wrote in the part that uh, she wanted a, a uh, B Arthur type for that character. She had her in mind cause she'd worked with her on uh, soap back in 1980, I think, and really yeah. enjoyed her work. So, yeah, I'd have to say probably B Arthur is the least changed from a previous sitcom incarnation but hey i loved her in mod so it was okay <laughs> you know? yeah she was she was uh softened down from i, I think you know she yeah, wasn't as bit, abrasive yeah. as she yeah. was in mod you know and yeah. um you know she she uh her opinions were shot down more kind of on uh, or made fun of on the golden girls so yeah i think she that impressed her some too she was yeah. like i'm not doing mod again thank well, you well yeah true and she had the mother yeah. to like nag her about that yeah or yeah whatever, or give her yeah. a witty little <laughs> whatever <laughs> anyway <Yeah>. <laughs> now the question i have about uh, golden girls because and you follow this stuff really closely more than i do um why is it so freaking popular now <laughs> you know is it it can't just be betty white i mean it's like you know and i know star trek got a life mm -hmm. after it was canceled mm -hmm. stuff like that but this is like there's other good sitcoms from the 90s yeah. Yeah, or 80s or whatever why yep. why this one and you know i'll even stretch a point you know it seems like gay culture really embraces it too yeah why, yeah. why that you know so well i think uh from what i've seen and read and everything it's because it's it's pretty much timeless comedy uh, there's not too many references to many things in the 80s or 90s about it um it's also um comedy that reflects uh, a positive future for older adults, which a lot of us, you know, kind of worry about when you get aging, you know, like <laughs> what's going to happen to me? Th this says, hey, you can have your friends and you can still be just as active, maybe even more active and do just wild stuff and have fun um, as you get older, you know, and um, that uh, being alone and being single is not the as bad as you might think that you, you can have a good life uh, enjoying it that way um, and it just uh, it seems uh, really attuned you had four very well defined characters as well you know very distinctive um, not a weak weak bunch in the in the link uh, not weak link in the bunch sorry. <laughs> yeah <laughs> bunch in the link I'm the weak bunch in the link right now so um, but yeah and um, from the part uh, the part there um as far as i know from the gay appeal uh it sort of had like a really hip uh approach i guess to uninhibited approach uh with women talking and anything freely about sex and you know they had a lot more leeway than what you had on um some television comedy at the time and i think you know when you're a success they let you do that if you're able to prove it uh that way and um it became you know just very good and very quotable and, and enjoyable you know um yeah. that's what i i think you know it's kind of it, it's same thing it's kind of hard to explain with the i love lucy you know it's just always been there and you know it's you know it's 
most most of the episodes of Going Girls very funny, very amusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, anyone who did the show can tell you. You know, they were um, really enjoyed the experience mm-hmm. during that time. And uh, I, I saw a compilation. <laughs> this is weird. I don't know why. I, I think they. I think TV Land was promoting something on Facebook, and they compiled like about seven minutes of the best bits from the show, you know, the snappy. And I was watching, and I know for some of them, it had to have been like the, the 10th, maybe 20th time I've heard that, but still I was laughing my heads off because yeah. the, the comedy was, it was so well delivered too. I think yeah. that's what they forget when they've tried to make the imitations. They, they forget that these were four very seasoned performers. They'd all had a lot of extensive experience on the stage as well as TV. They knew how to deliver a comic line sharply and, and, and land it and, and had the perfect reactions. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what's made it stick together, in my opinion. Yeah. I think what sold me on the show <laughs> to, to like it forever, besides the actresses. I mean, I liked it from the start because I knew all the actresses and I was going to watch it. Yeah. Uh, is when uh, it's like, and I haven't watched the episodes. I have all seven seasons back here, not in the Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner, but in the room back yeah. here. But I haven't gotten around to actually sitting down and watching them again. But I will. <laughs> but the one that actually clinched it for me that I said, I got to watch this every time, is, is an episode where there's like a thunderstorm and all of them climb into the old lady's bed. And then she farts in the bed <laughs> and she goes, it's my bed. I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> and I said, yes, that's my type of show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, don't, the part of you want to be like, when I'm old like that, I hope I can be delivering things like that. And you crotchety. And, and the and, others are going, oh, my. Yeah. Oh, oh. You know, we're not happy with this. <laughs> oh, Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just uh, there's very a lot of memorable moments from the the whole series. You know, I think there's maybe from what I'm saying, maybe two or three episodes where I'm like, oh, that's I, I'm not want that's one of their worst ones. I don't want to watch it. The rest, even when it's not a hundred percent, it's still funnier than a lot of the other shows are. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just because I think they're they're great delivery and those are believable characters and uh, you know type of persons you want to. Um, be with you know every week or every day as the case may be nowadays you know how often they run it so yeah and they did get a lot of other season guest stars i can't think of all of them but like leslie nielsen i remember being on the show a few times yeah. and I he married Dorothy. He married Dorothy's character at the end. Uh, they had Dick Van Dyke romance yeah. Dorothy. Um, he played a lawyer who was a clown. That right. was I, 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 that was hilarious. How many circus jokes they were able to pan in there? You know everything <laughs> like that. You yeah. know I I thought Dorothy was going to get a ring from him. Yeah, three. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mickey Rooney uh, showed up there yeah. and apparently was on good behavior for Mickey. So that was good to know. <laughs> Um, they wanted to get Johnny Carson, but he, he just, for some reason, didn't do it. He did do a uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. And, and, you know, when Mary had her last and arguably worst party, when the lights went out, right. <laughs> but, um, he, she couldn't get him. They couldn't get him for some way, but everyone else, I think they did, you know, Burt yeah. Reynolds. Well, I, I noticed so. Johnny Carson, as time went on, he was less and less inclined to do guest spots on things. Like, yeah. I, 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 you know, we talked about Bob Hope's last uh, podcast, but uh, there's uh, this box set of Bob Hope specials that just has a sampling, and it's like um, one from like 1969 or something, where they do 
uh, a bit on the Tonight Show where uh, Bob is hosting or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, Carson is on there as the guest. And it's like Carson seemed to be more inclined, maybe for just Bob Hope, but he seemed more inclined to, like, make a quick guest spot on things, whereas, mm-hmm. like, later on, except for, like, the Mary Tyler Moore show, he just said, eh, I'll pass, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he had he had increased cloud and could really pick out what he wanted, you know, there. Right. And I think, um, you know, I think uh, he really didn't, I think the, he did do Cheers and he did do The Simpsons, but there weren't too many other shows. He did New Heart, I think, too. Yeah, I remember he did a guest shot on that way. Um, but for whatever reason, he, he didn't do it, which was a shame. It would have been nice. Just I'm sure it would have been Blanche probably would have been fawning over him and some other things, too. But, yeah. <laughs> you know. now, now, how is that situation? I'm currently writing a book um, called... Um, what is it called? I don't have the name of it. Uh, <laughs> no, it's the stars of Walt Disney Productions. Now, granted, this Golden Girls debuted after they became the Walt Disney Company and Eisner was in charge. But um, was it still kind of like, to your knowledge, like the friendly Disney atmosphere or was things already significantly changed by the time they started doing this show? From what I heard from the director, Les Paceros, uh, it was fairly, it was fairly amenable atmosphere. It wasn't anything too much uh, tension backstage. You know, everyone was expected to know their job and do it. And you, if you did that, you'd have a good time mm-hmm. getting it together. Um, you know, they did have some trouble there uh, holding down a director um, for a first. They had some clashes um, with a couple of them. Um, one of them, uh, Paul Bogart was particularly mean to Betty uh, and lasted only three or four shows. Um, yeah. And it, Don't be it, mean it, to Betty. Yeah. <laughs> and, and having some kind of marital or, or romantic problems off stage and might've been projecting it onto Betty, but that that's no excuse, you know, to do that yeah. sort of thing. That's just unprofessional if you've got it there. And uh, Paul Bogart had directed, um, B. Arthur on Maude a couple of times and all in the family. And in fact, he got, he got an Emmy award when the show won it for the uh, outstanding comedy series, because he was listed as a, uh, a producer on the show and the credits <laughs> for the time there, I guess it was part of his contract. Uh, but he never did a sitcom after uh, the golden girls, which I think is kind of significant. I think word got out about, you know, he's not right temperament for that. We want to have in the set, you know, right. Um, and then, uh, let's see, Golden Girls begat Emptiness, correct? And then... They, they, and they also had Nurses, which is a spinoff. Oh, okay. Kind <laughs> of, of Golden Girls and Emptiness. Yeah, she, uh, Betty's character appeared a couple of times on both shows. I wrote okay. about that. That was theater. my next question, yeah. I forgot yeah. if she did or not. I didn't watch Emptiness as much, so that's yeah. why. And then yeah. the, sh- the show itself transitioned into the Golden Palace. What was the circumstances? Was it just B. Arthur was tired of doing it, or was B. it everybody was else like- was more gung-ho to do it more? <laughs> well, B. Arthur was tired of doing it after seven years. It was her contract, and he's like, this is seven years. This is enough. I want to go back to the stage. I want to do other things, and that was good. And Lex Viserys agreed. He's like, you know, we had done just about everything we could do with those women and, and that um, place in Miami. Mm-hmm. So uh, with her doing that, though, they, they still the show was still a top 30 hit. Mm-hmm. 
so they, uh, Susan Harris um, came up with, who created the show, came up with the idea, all right, well, maybe we have them move out and they take over a hotel on Miami Beach and call it the Golden Palace. And this appealed, um, Betty was amenable to it, but it wasn't anything that she said she had to do. Uh, it was more um, Rue and Estelle kind of needed to do it, according to Lex Basir. He said they had some bad business advice, had made some bad investments, and they could really use the employment. So with that in mind, they taped the pilot. Um, NBC and CBS got into a bidding war over it. CBS eventually won it. CBS wanted the show to be part of a, uh, a, um, one of its prime pieces on Friday nights to combat against uh, the ABC TGIF uh, lineup that it had at the time. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a good um, way to do that. Uh, unfortunately, when it got there, as Lex Viserys put it, the problem with the Golden Palace is the Golden Girls told you when you uh, retire, you can hang out with all your friends, have a lot of fun, and, and not really have any financial worries. The Golden Palace says that you're going to end up taking care of a, a hotel that's going to need a lot of work, and you're going to have to work a lot, and you're going to be financially uncertain, and isn't that fun? You know, and um, from that setup, uh, they they came up with some other plots, and most most of the shows just were not as funny as yeah. the Golden Girls. They also had problems with the supporting cast, the original uh, uh, actor playing the chef. They replaced him after two episodes, uh, uh, and uh, put in uh, Cheech Marin. They had him refilm his part for the pilot. Ah, okay, because I don't remember anybody else other than Cheech. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lex Vasera said by the second show, they cited the, uh, it was some actor from England, and they didn't think he was working out, and they said, we're going to can him and put in a new one. It's like, Lex was like, well, let me work with him. I can maybe, you know, develop and get, and they said, nope, we're, we're putting in Cheech Marin. We're going to have someone who knows how to do comedy. Um, <laughs> Don Cheadle was fine there as a hotel operator. He's, of course, a great actor and getting it yeah. together. Uh, but then they forced CBS. Oh, gosh. They forced having a child actor. Why you need a child actor associated with a girl, I don't know. But they already knew by the third episode, we've got to get this kid out of here some way. Mm. And then they found a way in the plot um, by the 14th episode, they were, found a way that they could write him out and have his mother show up and his mother was played by uh jolie fisher i think um mm -hmm. and she she came in she filmed a segment uh that might not have been been in front of a studio audience because they made it out of do it last minute but they had her picking him and saying I'm, i want him back and let him go uh not leave with you guys but you know the show ended like i think it was in the 66th position or something like that it was barely could have been renewed, but CBS decided not to renew yeah. it, which I think is the wise thing. Betty always felt like it was um, a chair with three legs and one of them missing without yeah. being there. And that she said there was a lot of rewriting going on much more than they had on the golden girls. And it just um, didn't, you know, things didn't B make like one appearance or something like, B did it was the best appearance she made an appearance on a two-parter and she was coming yeah. back and of course she's like you guys are waking working mom too hard let mom live with me and leslie nielsen in atlanta and of course mom eventually decided to stay with the group and um, it was very well written and it but it just pointed out it's like they need to have 
mm. be there. You know, they had a letter, later episode where Stan came on there and uh, faked his death. And you kept on going like, where, where is Dorothy? Dorothy should be here. Look, yeah. why is she not guest starring? You know, they're having a whole thing. It, it just didn't make sense. And they had uh, Rose's uh, character, um, the one that, uh, who played her boyfriend, Miles, uh, he eventually, he said he was cheating on her and got married to another woman. It just, it just all was just like, ugh, it, it just, just not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have the magic and just, just like yeah. a bad. So, so they had the same writers. It just, it wasn't written as well. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. I think they had yeah. the same writers and just, it's just a whole different situation, yeah. you know, and it's all the, it probably, they probably should have stopped after seven seasons. There's um, yeah. only so many, sex jokes you can make i think uh that'll really be effective and new you know they had a couple of moments but it was never uh, very few episodes were as consistently funny as what the golden girls had yeah. it, it always reminded me of the ones i saw of aftermath you know it's like you know it's yeah. like it's just a major letdown after a big series and it's like yeah. Mm, yeah. or you said sanford arms which i don't remember other than the title you know yeah. but i'm sure it's yeah. that same type of thing oh it's i'm like, sure yeah. yeah where's fred yeah where's <laughs> lamont where's fred where's, where's that? Yeah. the whole thing yeah yeah um but at the same token, you know, because I know how money hungry, especially Disney is, you know, it's surprising <laughs> to me that they haven't put Golden Palace on DVD just to kind of milk it for all it's worth. It's like, hey, it's only three fourths of them, but it's more of your favorite characters, you know. Yeah, they I have had know. it. In the, they have had it in syndication, though, a couple okay. of times. They have okay. re repeated it there and there's all the episodes are available on youtube i think so oh, okay okay and i watched them all god help me <laughs> well you had reasons to i i've I done the same thing to. on some yeah. some books yeah. you know you're yeah like, that's oh, the way yeah. going through this whole series exactly <laughs> well you know i on the off chance that i miss something and someone doesn't you know i wanted to pick out all the highlights that they had there such as they were you know and you and tell you why pages. there are no yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you know tell you why why there weren't highlights and what the yeah. lowlights were you know yeah. so that's well i was hoping you know we were mentioning cheech i just thought you know this was before uh wait this is after uh that show he did i was gonna say miami vice no the other one uh the one he did with don johnson uh oh nash yeah, bridges, yeah nash bridges yeah. this was before nash bridges or i think after? it was yeah because that okay. was 92 okay. yeah okay yeah. so so i was just like you know wow he's doing something without chong let's see how he does <laughs> you know and i was all excited for that you know and yeah then, yeah <laughs> i know I know. And I thought he did do better on Bridges actually, as an actor, yeah. you know, so, but anyway. Um, so for Betty, um, I guess, did she do any regular sitcoms between that and Hot in Cleveland? Uh, she did. Appearances? Okay. The first one was, it, it was <laughs> hilarious. Uh, Bob Newhart's um, sitcom bob that he had uh yeah, going there. Yeah, yeah i forgot about that it, it was it was running the same season as uh the golden palace and it was not getting that good of ratings either yeah. um it was around the level that betty had so when they were going to cbs to make a pitch for it they said let's go for broke let's tell them okay we're going to redo the show and we're going to have betty white come in as the head of his he's going back to his greeting card company because he was a cartoonist right. he's going back there and he's going to work for uh, betty white and she's going to be the antagonist to him and uh she's going to have a son that can interact with bob's uh daughter and have a romance that way and we can redo it and up the comedy quotient and everything 
and uh, they made that pitch and then uh, they, they were told, no, we're not going to do it. And then when they got back to California, they learned, no, we are going to do it there. Hmm. Uh, apparently what happened was uh, they wanted the show to run on Friday nights, but um, along with um, Hearts of Fire, I think from Linda Bloodworth Thompson, she didn't want her show on Friday nights. So they moved it to another night and that gave the spot there for Bob for to, to appear on the schedule at the time there. Uh, what happened is <clears throat> the announcement was made and it leaked to the press before they had told Betty that, oh, we want you to appear on our show. <laughs> so she and her agent were like, Betty, did you know you're appearing on Bob? I'm like, no, no. So they had to explain what they were doing and could she please do it? And Betty said, okay. She talked with her agent, like, I'll, I'll make occasional appearances, no more than seven, just like I did with mama's family because she was afraid of burnout. You know, she's like, this right. is going to be a third series in a row for me and people are going to get tired uh, no matter how much they may say they like me. <laughs> so she did the show. And again, it was not as funny as Newhart or Bob Newhart show was, and it was up against the X-Files as well so that uh, killed it right there um it ended up uh she did uh they didn't end up uh, airing about three of the shows they taped they finally showed those shows a couple of years later on tv land and she was in one of them there and i think and there was a dvd that came out with all of the shows as well yeah i had the bob dvd and i saw her name in it and I go, oh, I must have not watched these. <laughs> but and I haven't yeah. watched that series yet. I've watched all the Bob Newhart shows and all the Newharts. So I just haven't got to Bob yet. I figured I'll get to it someday. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not it's not in their league, you know. I mean, yeah, I, that's know, why. Uh, I know the ones writing it used to work for Cheers and everything like that. But it's one of those shows that, that, that just didn't wasn't catching the way it should have you know i mean not, i'm a comic book anymore. fan and it had some comic book greats in it and it's yeah. still like mm, you yeah. know and it has bob newhart my favorite but mm, yeah you know <laughs> <It's> yeah <like laughs> exactly that can happen you know that's yeah. what happened here yeah. she had that and then she had a show with marie osmond in 95 called maybe this time oh that's right i remember that now <laughs> and i did yes. watch that <laughs> <But> and uh <laughs> that one had craig ferguson as one of their workers there he hated doing the show he hated the stuff he would be there smoking off backstage going you know get me out of here he was he was able to <clears throat> leave the show and replacing him was none other than dane cook you know, the comedian before he became known as Dane Cook, the comedian, um, mm -hmm. was there. Um, and Betty played uh, Marie's mother and the grandmother to uh, a, a young actress. I can't remember who it was, was there. Um, and it was basically, <laughs> I, I recount the story, it was basically uh, the agents that were William Morris just packaging the material the, together like, well, we've got this producer. He'd like to work with uh, Marie Osmond because he thinks she'd be a good uh, contrast to what we have on TV. And, oh, we got Betty White as a client. Let's do that one. And we have this one, you know. And so they were all wrapped up. Uh, and it was like the, the writing was about the last thing they planned together. You know, it was um, it was on Saturday nights. It was bombed miserably. I think it was 108th in the ratings when it got canceled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember seeing a couple of them, but yeah, until you just said it now, I go, oh yeah, she was on that show because yeah. I watched it probably because I was saying, oh, let's see if Marie Osmond could do a sitcom, you know? Yep. Oh, yeah, it was okay. Yeah. You know, that was 
oh, oh, I thought about it. I didn't really think of it. You know, I, yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, it has Betty White in it. You know, that's probably about it, you know, because, yeah. you know, that it was, seemed like... And, and there was one other she did called Ladies' Man with Alfred Molina on CBS in the early 2000s. That I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. And it was not, it was on Monday nights, but it was one of those Monday night shows that wasn't able to sustain like between uh, Everybody Loves Raymond and whatever else they had on the time. Um, mm -hmm. They, uh, I talked to uh, Will Schreiner who directed one show and I asked him like, what was wrong? He's like, well, I only know it from director response. You know, I thought that they were good. The cast was good. They also had Sharon Lawrence there um, doing it. Um, uh, and um, Stephen Root, who was uh, on, uh, he's perhaps best known for an uh, office space going like, uh, I had my stapler, my stapler, you know, that, yeah. that was that, that was him doing it. Um, or radio, whatever. Yeah. What's that sitcom? Yeah. Radio. I can't think of it. News radio. Yeah. News radio. Thank you. <laughs> that radio title. <laughs> yeah, we're doing good on this stuff. Um, but he, but with all of them, again, it just, and I think that might be Betty's worst one. Um, the the scripts were really bad. She was just, you know, had her, you know, kind of, you know, kind of flippant and sex talk, and it was a lot of just, it was just disheartening to watch a lot of it there it got, it got renewed <laughs> yeah it got renewed by the skin of its teeth by cbs wow uh for a second season but the episodes were they they buried it the second season they ran eight shows two shows back to back for four weeks in july of 2002 and that was uh with um I think her name's Kaylee Cuoco, the one uh, who starred on The Big Bang Theory. Okay. She was playing, um, she was the third actress to play his, one of his daughters. That tells you something. Was Three this actresses. before Eight Simple Rules even? Or? Yes, yes. Oh, so she was a little young kid. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they had, this was like, this was the third actress they had playing his daughter, which tells you something. If they're having casting problems like that, that's probably indicating they had some stuff uh, going wrong there at the time there but you know betty was fine as usual but uh she just didn't have much to do except to say some lines and sexual suggestions and it just it, just, it was a waste with her and they they tried at the end one of the last episodes had her up against rue mcclanahan who played a relative or something you know and they were battling and you know you could tell it was the writing was on the wall and not in the, not in the script where it should be so yeah um, it made me think around this time, or maybe it was right after, she did, uh, Betty did an appearance in the movie Burning Down the House, with, or Bringing Down the House, or whatever, with uh, Queen Latifah and Steve Martin. Yep. Did she do that many movies, and do you talk about that in the book, or are you just talking about TV in the book? It's mainly TV. I was going to try and get movies in there if I could, but that was another thing that I had to get sacrificed. But, okay. you know, the amazing thing is that up until 1992, when she was... 70 betty had only one movie credit and that was advice yeah. and consent where she played a, a a senator from kansas okay because i didn't then, think she did any movies before well, yeah. <laughs> bringing down yeah. the house, but yeah okay it, it, it was only like a minute thing there <laughs> yeah and then she started after golden girls she started getting more movie roles offered to her which she took which she she was gladly surprised with you know mm -hmm. um and she took a fair number i'd say maybe 10 or 20 of them there i l watched mm -hmm. most of them you know and some were better than others and you know mm -hmm. in that regard but um you know everything uh she 
clearly enjoyed uh, the exposure and they enjoyed having her there. You know, yeah. I think uh, um, uh, one of the ones they had, uh, God, what was it there? It was with Sigourney Weaver and Jamie Lee Curtis. They, they were showing afterward, you know, they had a big cast party and they, they said, congratulations. We just all want to thank you, Betty White, for letting us work with you. You know, they all <laughs> were enamored with her. You yeah. Know? So. So the next big thing, I guess, is hot in Cleveland after that, right? Uh, yep. And that was funny. And then, she And she, that I thought she didn't want to do it all, right? She, she just, said she wasn't going to do it. She said they, okay. they asked her to do the pilot. Mm -hmm. And she said, okay, well, I'll do the pilot, but I'm not going to do the show. I've, I've got enough right now. I'm like, I'm turning 90 soon. <laughs> I'm doing stuff at, at LA Zoo, and I've got all these other projects, and I need the flexibility. Right. Well... When she did the pilot, uh, according to the producer, the, the audience went wild. They gave her a two-and-a-half-minute uh, clapping, audience clapping, just wow. when she showed on there. Yeah, they had to quiet them down just for to deliver lines. She delivered it, and, of course, everyone was rolling in the aisles from what she had. And I think the experience was so good, they were able to talk her into, look, just do this. We can work around your schedule and get it. So she did. <laughs> and it was it was nuts. It really was. Cause I have a, a quote there from um, the Hollywood reporter where there was a time, I think it was in 2011. She did the show. She came back from filming the end of the last Valentine, her first Hallmark Hall of Fame movie, which, <laughs> which ended up number three in the ratings, you know, so she had a success there. She came back from filming that started working on the show in between that she was doing uh, work for, um, the LA Zoo, um, <laughs> promoting the stuff there. She was doing something for um, the uh, Chicago um, Museum of Broadcast Communications because Bruce Dumont, who heads that, was her big friend there. She campaigned su successfully for uh, um, animal, uh, a humane animal treatment bill in Missouri, I think it was. Mm -hmm. She wrote <clears throat> an op-ed in, in Parade Magazine uh, encouraging... Um, endorsing same-sex marriage in 2011 which is just you know astounding when she did that so that passed that way and uh, she also uh, found time to go to dc to uh, tape a tribute to they had um, for tina fey and she also got named an honorary uh, rain, forest ranger at a ceremony there at the same time. Wow. <laughs> yes, all in the space of two weeks. And this is right before Thanksgiving, which I, I hope she had time to do it. You know, it's incredible that she was 89 doing all this stuff, you know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the show was just, you know, they made accommodations for her. They knew she was old. They made sure she had a chair nearby anytime they, uh, they could, you know, and um, made sure she wasn't overworked at any part of the thing. And, uh, she, you know, she did it just fine. She did it up to, uh, <clears throat> I think she was, yeah, she was 93 when they shot the last episodes there in 2015. Yeah. Well, was it on six seasons? Is that right? Yeah, it went to, okay. yeah, yeah, fifth or sixth season, I think. Okay. 120 some episodes, okay. you know, they had enough for syndication and yeah. they were good. And, um, you know, the the show has its amusing points, uh, but as I point out, there's a lot of similarities in some of the plots to what they had in Golden Girls. Yeah. And Did I, it have I the same them. writers as Golden Girls? or It had was... one or two that worked on there, but okay. I think most of them were like um, 
from more from other sitcoms and that okay. sort of thing you know okay. uh, you know it was sean hayes so they had a fair amount from will and grace uh sean hayes is one of the producers okay um and you know they did have some good it was nice to see the mary tyler moore crew re- reunited there right i remember that one yeah <laughs> um, and they had some good jokes about betty's you know referencing her work on there and on password and everything like that um <laughs> so it was a it was a good uh coda to finish i guess uh, to yeah. a tv series well that should be your last one <laughs> i'm 105 <laughs> where's my new show <laughs> well you know she she did do um she did do to tell the truth during its summer run in 2016 yeah. and that was <clears throat> that was the last regular role um by then you could tell she was having mobility problems she needed Mm -hmm. help getting up when she got from her seat and everything um and she's acted only about a handful of times since then prior to prior to that and after hot in cleveland she got on saturday night live as the host she Um, did yeah, she did. How did she that did come out? Live. I know there's like this Facebook <laughs> campaign or something like that, which yeah. seems amazing to me. I mean, it's like I have like about thirty people I'd like to have hosts, but you know, <laughs> they don't want any of them. You know? <laughs> it was. Uh, I talked to the guy behind the Facebook campaign, David Matthews. Uh-huh. He had uh, just had it on a whim. I think it was. I think it was on like around uh, Christmas time, two thousand nine. Uh, he just talked to everybody and probably drinking as these things happen, you know, and just saying like, you know, Betty White could do everything. She ought to host Saturday Night Live. And he, he said he said he was never a big fan of Saturday Night Live, but he's a big fan of Betty White. And he just said, oh. <laughs> so he'd like just put it there on Facebook and just to see who would respond. And then it started building from there. People were sharing and other like, yeah, we need to do that. And yeah. through Facebook. And then it became um, – it was something like Rosie O'Donnell, or he wasn't sure. Maybe it might have been Cloris Leach. One of her coworkers might have shared it there too. Then it got picked up by Perez Hilton on his website and USA Today, and then that led to it getting enough attention that ABC News covered it and covered him and asked Betty about it. And Betty's like, "I don't know where it came from. I wasn't, you know, doing anything." <laughs> but the pressure became so great that Lorne Michael said, "Okay." we're going to do this. And, and Betty's agent basically said, you're going to do this because people want to see you do this. Um, And uh, it was a rigorous thing. She, she, during one part of the rehearsal, she took her agent side and said, don't have her have me do this again, because, you know, there were, there were so many costume changes and makeup changes she had to do on the fly, even with her recording things and having other people there. It's still, it's a live 90 minutes and it's (laughs) intense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And late at night, too, I mean, yeah. that, which always is crazy to me. Does yeah. it have to be live, live, you know? Yeah, and she <laughs> had to memorize her lines because she, uh, she, you know, otherwise she wears glasses but not yeah, contacts. Yeah, they can't see the cards if they yeah. have them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Or or whatever they use. <laughs> so she was doing all that, and, uh, you know, she, she was fantastic. She got an Emmy nomination. Um, but like they said, you know, that we're not going to have anyone else <laughs> – get up be host this way and they've been pretty strong about that since the time there yeah. uh so uh yeah it was another you know success she's still the oldest host they've ever had on there i think at age 88 mm. yeah i remember you know right after this there's a brief but aborted attempt to get rickles to host or something like that yeah. but it just makes yeah. me think you know um i know everybody can't host saturday night live and i'm sure a lot of people don't want to but i mean it's like 
surely they would have thought of Betty White 20 years earlier. <laughs> you know, this show's been out well, 45 they did. years. She said, she said she had been approached three times earlier. I'm oh, assuming okay. when she was doing the Golden Girls. But she just held off because, <clears throat> as she put it, she's like a California girl to her heart. And she thought this is New York too sophisticated. And I just, she just didn't, you know, feel confident at the time mm. doing it. I thought know. she just might be attracted to the live part of it, you know, because she did live television. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that helped her. And she did do the show when it had its 40th anniversary in 2015, yeah. she showed up there to do a cameo and uh, made out with Bradley Cooper, which the audience <laughs> went hysterics, you know, yeah. so yeah. You know, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, I hope they do it again. Not her necessarily. I mean, just, you know, pick some other person that should host, but yeah. eh, Saturday Night Live is Saturday Night Live. You know, it, yeah. It's, yeah. it's been going like this forever. You know? yeah, <laughs> and, know. and it has its moments, I know, here and there. But, you know, yeah. so it, it's, it, I always like what Gilbert Gottfried said. He says it's a, it's a mediocre restaurant in a great location. <laughs> so yeah. <that's... laughs> yeah. Yeah. You go there expecting the best and you're, oh. you're grateful for whatever you get sometimes. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, so is Betty done? <laughs> well, uh, or, Betty have you is, heard anything? <laughs> I, I checked in with her agent. I was trying to get an interview with her for the book earlier this year. Yeah, that was and another then, question. Did you call yeah, her? And then, and then COVID broke out and we just weren't in communication anymore. Um, from the indications I've heard, um, she's still doing all right. Um, but I, I don't think she can appear. If she does anything, it'll be recorded at her home um, and may not be on video uh, because it's just the last time we saw her was 2019 when she did the uh, NBC on NFL promo and they had her on camera for maybe oh, yeah. 10 seconds and the rest was voiceover. Yeah, She yeah. also voiced over for Smokey the Bear. Um, her voice was really, you know, was showing its age. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if Betty was able to do it, she'd be doing this right now. You know, she'd be out there. Um, she'd be interviewing or doing anything she could. Um, I think uh, the fact is that the, the articles I've read have all been coming from friends of her saying, yes, she's doing all right. She's protected and we're making sure she's taken care of during this time. Yeah. Uh, but which she's is the still best in good health and everything, or at least yes, for yes. someone 98 years old. Yeah, yeah, good <laughs> mentally, you know, she's yeah. still doing crosswords like she always does and everything yeah. like that, so, okay. um, but I would be, um, you know, hopefully if and when she makes a hundredth uh, birthday, uh, we may see a couple of photos, that may be about it. I don't think yeah. we're going to see anything in depth um, from yeah. her anymore, unfortunately. It'd be nice if they had like a tribute special that she can make, make a brief video appearance or something like that at least yeah. you know and just hi you know still yeah. here, you know or something It'd like that be good but i mean yeah. I, but i can tell you from like i said of the bob hope book the last couple of appearances and were really yeah really painful to watch yeah you know? and, and uh, i know you can always make the best late plans like it was wasn't it george burns who planned to play the london palladium for years yeah. and then <laughs> when he, was he fell and hurt his head like six months before and so yeah couldn't do it yeah. you know obviously so yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Um, do you have a copy of the book? 
I don't yet. Oh, I know Stuart. <laughs> That's all early the thing, thing. Here it is. <laughs> he well, had a picture of the of the uh, the cover that I gave okay. him there. So, okay. so um, what is the name of the book? Let's actually promote the book. Okay. That you're talking yeah. about for the last hour. <laughs> the name is is Betty White on TV colon from Video Vanguard to Golden Girl. Uh, okay. To you know, indicate her long TV career that way. Um, it's available on Amazon or from my publisher Bear Manor Media, who everyone should know because. And I've also got a Facebook page on it in case people in, want to look at that way for updates. Um, they are taking pre-orders right now. I'm told it's very popular. Um, supposedly, I'm supposed to get my copy sometime soon. <laughs> you know, maybe by the time this is out there, I hope I hope yeah. to do it at the time. Yeah. Uh, but, but it was because we were making a last-minute push to make sure we could get it out right. to everyone in time for Christmas. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's it's available and it should be coming to you. Um, you know, ready to ship fairly yeah. quickly in time for Christmas if you order it, or, or after Christmas still, okay. whenever you want to. So here's what I was going to show is I actually do, if I can show it in here, I have one of Betty White's actual books. Of course, oh, yes. It disappears. When I, yeah. you know, but there she is. Yay. Yes. You know. But um, um, also, I did not meet her because it was one of those uh, few hundred dollar uh, ticket to meet her things. And this is uh, back. Yeah. This, this book's called If You Ask Me, which came out, let me see, in 2011. Yep. which is probably like her third or fourth book at the time. And I think at the time she says, why am I writing another book? But uh, she has, I don't know if you can see Hey, you can't see it. On I can see. There you go. Okay. I see a picture uh, of her. Let me turn it off for a second. I will do that. I can do that. I can do anything I want. Okay. So I can show you this. Um, anyway, what I was going to say is she actually has very beautiful handwriting. I don't know if you've noticed that uh, ever before. Um, Let's close this up. Hold on there. Okay. All right. So here's the book again. And wow. there's your autograph. And it's like, uh, I think it pages in this book. There's the book now. We can look at it a little bit better. Um, uh, she actually has handwritten. And I go, wow, she has excellent penmanship. Oh, here we go. Yeah, here's a, a page in that book. I mean, yeah. Did wow. She, I think the reason why I'm asking all this mm -hmm. is... Did she ever have any other career aspirations than being an actress? She was thinking about, uh, she one time thought about becoming a writer herself. She also thought about becoming a um, opera singer until she had uh, a bad case of uh, flu or laryngitis, I think. And it affected her voice where she couldn't reach the high notes anymore when she was mm. that. So then she decided instead... I'll pursue being an actress um, like I wanted to do that. And she really, she, she worked hard to do it there because there were a couple of really lean years she had where she was living with her parents until she finally broke through on law on uh, local TV in Los Angeles in 1948 um, as a personality and, and getting it together that way. But most like most other things, when Betty sought to do something, she got it done. You know, she always enjoyed being around animals. She made sure to make that part of her life when she was an adult. She loved playing games as a kid. She did that for most of her adult life as well. You know, mm -hmm. um, she was very focused and um, very determined in what she had. And I think that's what um, made her appealing to Alan Ludden. You know, he was a guy who was very well read, uh, one of the most educated 
uh, hosts we've ever had of game shows, mm -hmm. but he met her and was smitten immediately because I think she probably showed that she was determined what she had and um, very pleasant in, in doing so. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty much love at first sight for him when he saw it there. And uh, she, she, like, she never has remarried since he's passed away in 1981 because, you know, he was just to her the ultimate man, you know. Did she have any relationships before him or after him, even if it wasn't married? <laughs> she did. There were rumors. Uh, she she uh, apparently had dated a few actors, including, if you believe the tabloids, uh, Yul Brenner and um, and uh, Michael Ansara, who later became the husband of Barbara Eden and so on there. She was seeing a... Um, guy named Phil Cochran, who uh, was uh, a big World War II hero and had a nice business in Pennsylvania. Uh, she was set up by him by um, uh, Jack Parr. But then that's when Alan Ludden got involved and they had kind of a thing. And Alan had the advantage of appearing on stage with her. And um, Phil Cochran, for all of his success, he didn't want to uh, move to New York or to uh, Los Angeles to be with her. Uh, right. so she decided eventually, well, I'm, I'm going to go with Alan and, and broke it off with him there, you know? And she was with Alan for like 20 years or something like that. She was for Alan. She married in 1963 until he died in 1981. So it was 18 years. 18 what, years. Okay. what, what most people don't know is she, she was married twice, uh, before then she was married twice, um, back in, in the forties, in fact, you know, so mm -hmm. before she turned 30, mm -hmm. she already had two failed marriages. So that made her a little gun, gun shy. Um, mm -hmm. even though Alan, you know, Alan romanced her for over a year before she <laughs> decided to get married to him. So they knew each other for a while. Yeah, yeah they did. And she was just, you know, she was going to have to relocate because password was being filmed in New York and uh, taped mm -hmm. in New York at the time. And she was based in Los Angeles, and she was going to have to re, re, redo her life to get there. Plus, he had two kids, or three kids, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she was going to become a, a stepmother there immediately. But mm -hmm. she took the plunge, and it worked out very well yeah. for them immediately. You know. other, other than those, she never had any kids, to your knowledge? No. Okay. In fact, she, <laughs> she told them once on Password, she said, uh, and despite what some of you have heard, no, I'm not pregnant. So, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know if they, I don't know if they tried for a child or not, uh, yeah. if she could or not. I think that's, that's her business, you know, as far as I'm yeah. concerned, you know, she's had a very enjoyable life. She was an only child, uh, but still, you know, very liked and very bubbly and outgoing. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's, she felt very loved and gave yeah. back love to everyone. I think. Yeah. I, I think one of her other books probably goes into her early life more in detail, like this book that I keep holding. Yeah. Up. Uh, doesn't it's not very deep it's it's just kind of yeah. like basically and i think carl reiner did a similar book and dick van dyke did too you know just yeah. how to survive nine yeah. nine decades on this planet you know basically it's that yeah. type of book yeah she I, I, <laughs> she I read yeah she wrote a book about her life on tv and she discussed her yeah, family so life a lot that that. Too, yeah. as well as yours <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i basically condensed it i made sure to condense it as much as possible so i get to her tv work within the first three pages, you know. Yeah, uh, I noticed that. I, I was like, whoa, you know, that's why I'm asking a little bit about her personal life because not much that I saw. I mean, I'm yeah. just kind of glossing 
through the book kind of quickly yeah. when I was looking at it, you know, and then I'll kind of, after we're done, I'll read through it more yeah. in depth. <laughs> but, you know, um, you know, each one of your books kind of takes a different take on it. Like the Carol Burnett one uh, really went in depth on every episode, which was good. And I love that. Um, and then Bob Hope like lists everything he ever did ever, you know, it's like, yeah. You know. <laughs> and I thought for this one, I might do the same with Betty's episodes, but then I realized I only needed to do it for her acting roles really in dramas and comedies and yeah. TV movies and everything, because that was about a hundred or so I was able to watch most of those. And, uh, the other ones, um, you know, it didn't, it was going to take up too much room. So I just kind of summarized what she did on variety shows and talk shows and everything and tried to list the highlights that I could find of them. You know, obviously, uh, unfortunately, you know, given the practices, most of the stuff of the fifties through seventies is not available or has been lost. You know, yeah. um, I was only able to, uh, I was able to hear, uh, the, last uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade she did. I got an audio recording of that. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think, I think Paley has, or, or UCLA, one of them has 30 minutes of her on um, the Tournament of Roses Parade mm -hmm. in 1970 with Raymond Burr. And that's it, even though she did Tournament of Roses for <laughs> nearly uh, two decades. You know, that, that tells us, you know, how you know how some of it is just uh, not out there unfortunately so now uh, were you able to get around like before this covid stuff to view things and stuff as, or? as as luck would have it <laughs> i was scheduled to go up to uh uh the paley center for media in new york on the weekend when everything was breaking out that uh, that thursday <laughs> when, when uh you know it was announced that tom hanks and uh, his wife had gotten covid and the NBA players had done it, uh, had, had gotten some players come down with COVID and the president even came out and said, this is a serious situation. I'm like, I'm not going up there to New York and ground zero and yeah. expose myself for that. I don't need it that much. You know, there were yeah. only, there were only um, a few things, like I mentioned that uh, the tournament of roses parade, her work on uh, her guest shots on Lucas Tanner and uh, on, um, the U.S. Steel Hour, 1962. Uh, those were the main things I wanted to see, the first that I didn't get to see. But I'll, I'll live without that. You know, I think the book yeah. is fine without that. At least that. you know about them. I mean, uh, yeah. was there anything big that you didn't know about that suddenly came to life? I think you said some certain game shows or something that you didn't know about or something. that. Yeah, there were several <laughs> game shows that she did that I don't think even anyone knows she did uh, – even through the late 80s, there was like one called Sweethearts with uh, a syndicated one with Charles Nelson Riley hosting it. So, you know, it was really top quality, you know. Yeah. She did um, three of the uh, ABC late, Wide World of Entertainment late night specials in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And I was able to hear two of those. The third one was uh, Phyllis Diller's 102nd birthday celebration or something like, you know. Um, <laughs> She did a bicentennial minute. I, I list that in the in the. I couldn't figure that anywhere uh, else, but, it, but just put it in the uh, appendix because I'm like, what can you say? I haven't seen it. And I don't know. What, I know she talked something about American history, and that's it. Oh, but okay. it's worth mentioning, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and she did a lot of. I, I found um, there were about fifty shows in there that. Uh, that are credits of hers that are not listed on the uh, internet movie database, IMDB, hmm. um, that I just found from research. Uh, 
you know, and mostly obscure stuff like the Donald O'Connor show when he hosted a uh, talk show, uh, the um, Woody Woodbury show, that was another talk show. But she also did, um, Dom DeLuise had a sitcom called the Dom DeLuise show. And uh, she did a guest it's shot terrible. there. And uh, that's not that's not listed on IMDb, but that's mm -hmm. one of her things there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she's had an immense career. You know, she's had tens of thousands of TV. You can take a rest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, well, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, uh, you want to plug the book one more time and then how people can get a hold of you if they want to ask you a question? Sure. Uh, it is... Um, uh, now I'm trying to think of losing himself. <laughs> Betty White on TV uh, from Video Vanguard to Golden Girl. And it's uh, Wesley Hyatt, W-E-S-L-E-Y-H-Y-A-T-T, uh, available on Amazon or Bear Manor Media websites. Uh, if you want, to, you can definitely try and hit me up on Facebook. Uh, I, I'll, I've got a lot of people on there, so I may not be able to do it. You'll, you'll probably have a better time, though, if you follow it, uh, the Betty White on TV uh, page on Facebook, which is open to the public, and you can comment there and add your sites. And if you do uh, get a copy, by all means, please uh, put a review in there. You know, hopefully you'll like it. Uh, if you don't like it, uh, that's that's fine too. You know, <laughs> take the good with the bad. You always do that. You know, so someone will have that, and uh, just uh, feel free to comment and uh, you know get it going there. I, I think it's a good book that you'll like, um, and it. Uh, <laughs> since I limited to 150,000 where it's still about a 450 page book, but <laughs> the last 50 pages are indexed. So, you know, it's not, not as bad. And, you know, you can read the chapters, you know, no, it's I knew it was that big when I saw the file because it said page one of 458 yeah. <laughs> or something. I said, okay, you know, but you, yeah. you, you, I knew ahead of time it would have to be pretty thorough. I mean, yeah. it's not like she just did a career for a week, you know, so. Yeah. Um, when you've got some with 30 regular or semi-regular TV credits, you're, you're going right. to have a big book, you know. Right. And uh, it'll be the normal ways, hardback, paperback, ebook, if you want. Yep, nor, uh, hardback and paperback. I don't know if uh, – it's not in Kindle yet, so if you okay. want that. And I, I don't know – I know they usually do with uh, our books, but I, I can't guarantee it. So I, I would think say, sometimes – I think if I remember Ben, he's the publisher. I think Ben kind of delays the ebook, so he'll get some hard copy sales, you know. Which, yeah. So everybody buy the hard copy. If you want an ebook later, you can yeah. buy it later. You know, buy the hard copy now. You yeah, it's, it's good. Believe it or not, it's it's the the smallest of the three books I've done, which wow. is you know at four hundred fifty pages. Yeah, that tells you something there. But um, it it yeah, I think it's worth the investment. And there's some good photos I've got of uh, Betty um, from both Adam Needif, who's another collector mm -hmm. of Betty um, memorabilia, and the Everett collection had some really nice pictures that I was able to get of Betty throughout her career that I think uh, people will like seeing. All right. Yeah. And last question I asked it last time. <laughs> what are you working on next? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out. I haven't Sunny got anything. Cher, Sunny and <laughs> <laughs> Not Sunny and Cher. I know that much. <laughs> um, but um, I'll do her. <laughs> I've got a few ideas, but nothing definite yet. I'm going to hopefully get something in the next year. Right now, I'm uh, just trying to get things together, uh, promoting the book more than anything else, and enjoying the holiday, such as it is. 
Valerie Bertinelli. <laughs> All right. I could, I could, I could do them. I don't know. She's a nice person, but I wasn't able to interview her. But uh, yeah. Well, it didn't seem like there's a lot of interviews for the book anyway. It's more just your. It, it looks like there's a few memories and stuff, but it's more descriptive yeah, about, about her career. There's about 30 interviews, and, oh, okay. you know, they were really good interviews with people, uh, several who worked with her on game shows, you know, but, uh, illuminate, I think each one really illuminated things, uh, every aspect of her career, you know, and uh, I tried to talk with everyone, at least one person who worked on um, one of her shows, and I think I did that for all of them going back except for the 1950s, because, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. most of the people there are no longer with, well, I guess he's no longer. Well, Tom Kennedy, I did talk to him. I had the last big interview with Tom Kennedy right. in, in 2019. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, so I have his comments there and those are yeah, very right. good. You, you, actually, you said on Stu's show, you said that uh, Tom wasn't doing interviews anymore, but he gave one to you because it was Betty White. That's exactly. You know, I said, you know, I, <laughs> I know you don't, but I know you've worked with her a long time. I was like, yes, do it. And we, we talked for about, uh, we did, this talked on the computer because he, he was like, yeah, let's, let's talk on the computer. So I went, okay, great. So we did that for about 45 minutes and uh, he had great memories of everything to say of every show that he worked on with her, you know, and they did about 10 different shows and it was good. Um, you'll see in the book. Cause I, I also asked them not only about Betty, but what they thought about the shows themselves. So you get a good appreciation from them. Uh, because I've listed every game show where she has and, you know, try and give reasons why the show did or didn't work. And uh, in addition to her contribution to each. So hopefully I succeeded. We'll see. Well, I think you did uh, from what I've seen. <laughs> I definitely so far, so. <laughs> you got one. Good sale. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being a guest on the fun ideas podcast again. And yeah. when you have your next book, whatever it'll be about, uh, I'll hopefully have you back. Sounds good. I'll hope to have it uh, before your 200th podcast. We'll hope for that, you know, maybe. So. Very good. And yep. in the meantime, I'll see you quarterly on Stu's show because you always yep. have something to say about NBC or something. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good uh, outlet to talk, to rant about NBC and other things that are wrong with TV right now. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, uh, thank you again and have a good night. You too. Thanks. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Wesley Hyatt, for being my special guest. Episode number 103 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2021. Fun Ideas Productions, thank you and good night. doors at the price I'm paying be glad it isn't yours now get up crap mountain get up crap mountain get up crap mountain get up crap
Don't fall back. Don't fall back. Don't fall back.